Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Natural selection is fun when you're in charge. DMT Select! It's the new PC game that lets you do the job God should have done. Unlike real life, you can destroy anything that annoys you. And finally, you can be the really big man. DMT has absolute power! Create an entire world and populate it. In your entertainment, you should be the boss. Found a new religion all about yourself. We love and worship you, Master! Self-invisible and force people to love you by raining fire and rats on them. Deity is punishment for everyone. Pick up a copy of Deity today, then take over the universe. Deity. Shut up and sit down. Oh, it's me. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Thirstships. It's episode 341, and I, of course, am your host, your funky leader, the greatest man who's ever lived. It's me, it's Matt, and I'm pumped for the show, as I always am, because with me, as always, it's the light bearer, the light bringer, the light bearer, bringer, the beastmaster, third shift. It's Eric, and he's here to tell us how his week was. Hey, Eric, how was your week this week? It was a pretty dang good week, Matt. I went ahead and got a brand new microphone, as I said last week, got it hooked up finally, trying to figure out the kinks and work through everything. But we're here. We're having a good time. And first and foremost, this weekend, I played some Wild Hearts. Me and Shay got in there, man. I'll tell you what. It was glorious. It was so much fun. We went, let's let's face off against this uh, this monster to continue the story to get us to the next zone, right? Nope. Now, this wolf beat the holy bajambos out of me and Shay. We didn't stand a chance. Got our, got our butts kicked, so we went, all right, we need to go back and actually concentrate on doing some of these quests, leveling up a bit, which is what you're supposed to do, but we thought maybe while me and him play, we'd just kind of like jump ahead, and that way on your own you could do some of the side stuff, but we hadn't been doing the side stuff, so we hit a brick wall. So we went back, and we started doing some of the side quests and leveling up, gearing up, getting some stuff on. And to speed things up, we decided to go ahead and throw in the uh, the call to get some help while we're doing it. It was easy, it was quick, it was functional. Every baddie we faced off against, I'd go, bloop, and help. Sure enough, seconds later, another character would come in and join the squad. We'd go murder said monster, get its pieces, go back to town, see if we had enough to upgrade. By the end of the night, we had all the pieces we could possibly get to be upgraded as far as we can get before heading off to this new monster. And just to tell everybody, like, how easy and streamlined that was it's fantastic because i love monster hunter world don't get me wrong but it was complicated it was a little more annoying to get things going a little more complicated it wasn't as easy as wild hearts makes it so i'm really digging this i'm really having a good time with it plus like i've already told you guys just the monsters themselves are very unique very fun and we're having a great time with it i can't wait to play tomorrow or saturday night whatever night shay's available to do that again then of course Destiny 2, we've been in there, rocking it out. I've been trying to catch up, not as much as I should be. My compatriots, they're ready to raid. They have been raiding. They've got three bosses down with just three players, and they're begging me to just get up there so I can go in there with them with four because there's a good chance we might be able to beat the raid and or at least get a couple more baddies down. 
along with the three that they already can do. So I've made an effort to actually do that. I'm hoping this weekend I'll finally get there so that way I can join them in the rating before it gets to the point where they're annoyed and or finished and don't want to play, as I've discussed a million times. So we'll see how it goes. Hopefully this weekend's it. And then Hogwarts Legacy, Matt. It's a game I keep saying I love and I want to finish. Didn't get a lot of time on it this week. However, today, as we talk, I did play for a couple hours. I did the Haunted House Mansion, like, weird quest that came with, if you, like, uh, pre-bought it or whatever it was. The case was it was a special mission that you only got for doing something with how Hogwarts Legacy. I don't remember what it was. It doesn't matter. The thing that matters is how cool that quest was. Like, every other quest has been what you'd imagine in Harry Potter. This one was like, hey, you want to buy the shop? Yeah, I want to buy a shop. Bought the shop. And then you go into this dungeon, man, where it turns into this creepy, weird haunted house. Dolls popping up. Mannequins coming and getting you. The whole nine. I, I started it like late last week or whatever. Didn't finish it. Didn't touch it. And then this today, picked it back up. Had to redo the whole thing because there was a glitch in it. But it was worth it because I finally got the you know the cohesive story. Did the entire mansion or entire entire dungeon by itself, and just how cool and different it was, and how it was like super weird and just spooky and strange and out there compared to the rest of the game. I loved it. I loved every minute of it. And then the reward at the end was you get to own a shop where you can take all the items, any excess stuff you have, and then give it to this house elf who sells it for you to make a profit. So you not only just get to this, you know, throw your gear at the blacksmith and just give it for whatever the base price is, you now can give this house off the gear to make profit off of it. So it's super cool, super fun. I enjoyed it. You know what else is super cool and super fun? This is going to tie into something I'm going to talk about. Uh, being in a time loop, because you said literally all that same stuff last week on the episode. But I didn't get to do it. That's the thing, man. It's this week I got to actually do it. Because if you remember last week, I didn't get to actually finish the mission. This week I got to actually finish it properly. So I'm doing it. I'm not. I'm not trying to bust your balls too much. But you're like, yeah, the house up and sell stuff and doodly doo do. And the, the, but I'm I saying, don't know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Finished, I'm sorry. I'm just saying. I did it instead of last week where I started it and I knew where it was going to go. So I was talking about it. But this week is done. Okay. And so now I've got, like, I go back to her, you know, in between, like, questing, and she goes, hey, I sold you, you know, this this gear, this gear, that gear, this gear, and then I get the money and I get the stuff. So it's actually finished and I got to see it through, which was awesome. It was such a good time. But now that it's done, as I said before. If you talk about it next week, uh, this, the show's over. It's done. We're never going to talk. <laughs> no. This time I'm going to mainline it because, as I said last week, I want to finish it up. So... I uh, just started the other two, side, the main side quests or whatever you want to call them, and then I got the main one to do, and then we're going to hopefully finish the game and smoke it out. But that's what I was doing in that game, and I know I said that last week, but like I said, this week I actually did it. Last week I just I knew where it was going, so I was just talking about it. But this week it was actually done and completed, and it made me feel good because I felt like, except for today, I didn't touch the game. So I, I just neglected the hell out of it. And it made me sad because I got too much, you know, too many games coming. I just bought Resident Evil 4, the remake, which is going to be out uh, tomorrow or well, later tonight, actually, at midnight. So I'll be playing that one for sure. Yeah, exactly. Shake your head in sadness because it's another game hitting books that should be played. But you're never going to play it. You never, play, you never you didn't play 8. You never even played finished 8. So 
You know, just let it go. You never played four, so what are you even tell? Why are you even excited for this one? You hated four. Anyway, let's go go on to the next thing but we're going to talk course, about. Of course, last and not least, the Diablo Four demo hit last weekend, and this is what got my main gaming time. I of course jumped on the sorceress and played her, and went to a uh, a frost build. So I'm going in there picking all the frost abilities, except for like a teleportation ability, which you got to have if you're a mage. Teleportation is just what it is. Thus far. It is a return to form. Everything's darker. Everything's got that more grizzled, lively vibe. They say it's like two, but I almost feel like it's more like one, where it looks realistic. It's kind of just dirty and dark and dank and just everything's screwed up. And that's how one was. Two was still that, but it kind of was more colorful. And I think that's where three got its inspiration from. It went like even more colorful and vibrant and whatnot. So I want to say it's more of a return to form of the original Diablo. Either way, the music was fantastic, graphics fantastic, you know, the usual. I don't think there's any big AAA games where you, you're not going to say those those things anymore. But uh, what I want to do get at is that the dungeons. I got so caught up in doing these really cool dungeons that I got to level 20, but I didn't finish the campaign. And that, it sucks. I got another chance this weekend, so we'll probably get there. But it just sucks because I wanted to do it all, but throughout the entirety of it, there's these new dungeons that are going to become like what you do in the end game and they're always going to change up slightly but in this you could do them as well and there was just i don't know five six at least of them so every time i'm doing quests and then the side quests i'd find this dungeon i'd go in there and complete the dungeon it'd give me pieces that weren't even for sorcerers or sorceresses i didn't care because i just wanted to go see like the unique environments that this dungeon put together because as i said in like a whole uh dev thing they're going to be themed around this one main thing, but inside they're going to give you like different uh, bad guy archetypes and stuff going on. So I wanted to see what every single one of them was. I wanted to see what every environment's dungeons or mini dungeons area look like. And the HP Lovecrafting one was just phenomenal. They had the, like a prison one, a jungle one, etc., etc. And they just kept impressing me and I kept having so much fun doing them that I would go in there and complete it before I even had a mission or anything to go in there at all. And then, of course, once I had a side mission or something to go in there, I'd do it all over again just to see how it, you know, changed up a little bit. And it did. It actually would have, like, a different quest for you while you were in there, a different thing to do or complete or find while you are in the dungeon. I had such a fantastic time with it. I started getting legendaries, and that was, like, pumping me up because then, of course, you're starting to, like, pick together what you want, trying to piece together some kind of build off these random-ass legendaries you were getting. And then, of course, the world boss came. I was not prepared, not leveled up enough to do it. Didn't get a chance to fight him. That's what I'm hoping for this weekend. So overall, Diablo 4 is just looking really good. I cannot wait to play it. I had a ton of fun with the demo. And of course, I've told you guys before with, you know, Blizzard, I'm not going to watch them anymore because they take too long to do anything. But now that this one's on the doorstep, it's exciting to be back in the uh, the world of what Blizzard's up to. So I can't wait to play the demo this weekend and do some Necro action and then uh, sit back and just chill till June because that's when the actual game comes out. And that's all I've been up to, Matt. What about you? Well, I've been up to so many things. First off, last Friday, St. Patty's Day, had a good breakfast with my bros, went and drank some beers, had some laughs, had some fun. Something happened later in the night, maybe, possibly. Strange things could have happened, but uh, I haven't got any confirmation of that. So we're going to skip over that and go to the very next day, which is when I went to the Wharton Center and saw Beetlejuice, which is... 
I was going to say the newest musical that's come out, but like the most recent, like it just got off Broadway and now it's touring and boom, it's here. And it was awesome. Now I know you're going to shake your head at me when I say this, Eric, but it's fine because you do that no matter what thing I'm talking about. I have never seen the actual original movie. So it was like, hey, and and <laughs> there it is. There's the look. That's what I was waiting for. Hey, I was busy watching Batman Returns. What do you want from me? But <laughs> but no, it was, a, it was a great show. Funny, wacky, over the top. I see why if it's, Close to what the movie is, which I will see fairly shortly here. I can see why everybody loved it. It was a ton of fun. I looked up the the main actress who plays Lydia, because mm-hmm. her performance was outstanding. Like, I couldn't believe how good she was, like, belting out these these amazing songs, especially by the end, where it goes to, like, some big crescendo, and she's, like, just belting it out. It was incredible. You know, I'm sitting pretty close, and it's just like, whoa. I was in awe of the talent. So it was great. It, it, it was a lot of fun. It was funny. It was, you know, not too emotional, but the, the songs were just, everything was catchy. Everything was cool. And then just to see this like powerhouse performance, it was, it was great. Then the very next day on Sunday, went to a Lansing Symphony Orchestra chamber concert. They had a little piano trio. So a piano, violin, and a cello. Really awesome stuff as always. They did play a more like, Recent piece, I think it was a composer from like the 40s who had either maybe is still around or had just passed away not too long ago. And it was this weird discordant piece. Like one of them would have a real melody going or or two of them would go back and forth. And then it'd be this weird disjointed piano thing in the middle of it. And then like it would kind of pass around like that. Like the piano would be going and then the the strings are kind of going wild. It was, I don't know, it was an experience. But that was just one of the four different pieces they played. The other ones were more traditionally cool. So a good experience overall. Then Tuesday, two days ago as we're recording this, went to Detroit for Crystal and Residence, the Final Fantasy piano concert. And that was awesome. Just like the symphonic version that I went to sometime last year in Grand Rapids. It was just one dude on the piano, and then they had a big old screen showing off you know, scenes from the different Final Fantasies he was playing the music from. It was great. It was awesome. If you have a chance to see it, definitely go see it. I think I enjoyed the symphonic one more just because there was different varieties of stuff and it was a bigger, you know, a broader spectrum of music. You got strings and horns and winds and they had, you know, a choir there too doing all the stuff. So you could do like uh, One Winged Angel. Uh-huh. They did that there. But it was still great. And there were still, I could still hear some some sniffles, some, some not dry eyes in the house when they were playing, you know, he... Like I said, since there wasn't a singer, you couldn't play Eyes on Me, but you could play the instrumental version, which is called something else. So, you know, seeing that up on the screen and hearing some of the best music ever composed, like I've always said. And there was a beautiful moment for me, though, because they played like a bunch of heavy songs in a row. There was that. There was Eris' theme. There was something, you know, a romance theme from Final Fantasy IX at the end of the first set, right before intermission. And then they hit up. Mambo de Chocobo from Final Fantasy V. And I went, yes, just do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. It was great. It was fun. And just a great time overall. And just like Eric, I feel like in general, I've just been neglecting my games. I haven't felt compelled to play much of anything. I look at my Forspoken disc because it's literally right here down below my monitor. And I go, yeah, I do need to play that. And I still love that game. And then I look at my PS5 and I go, man, like a Dragonetian, I do love that, and I need to play that game. And I go, I don't know, though. And I don't. But what I have been playing is Pushmo on my lunches and before work. That's a ton of fun. The puzzles are getting, some of them are getting absolutely nuts. There's one, it took me like 20 minutes to figure it out. 
And if you ask me right now, I don't know how I did it. And at the time, I don't know how I did it because I did it kind of the same way, like three times. It got stuck at a certain point every time. And then it was like, and I'm not trying to say anything weird here, but it was like my hands had a mind of their own because I just stared at the puzzle and all of a sudden I moved the one thing. And I didn't think, I got to move this one thing. Oh, if I go here, I can do that. It just moved. And I went, oh, that's how I do it. And then I went, off off to to the top. It was one of those, like, must have just been soft focus. I'm just, puzzle mode took over the brain. Oh, the thing that I, I couldn't see it when I wanted to see it. I just had to naturally see it. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, I do. Yeah, I don't know how many Catherine puzzles I solved by just doing it. Yeah. I don't know what I was doing. I just did it. I just let the flow go, and I was just moving things, grooving, and all of a sudden I'm like, yeah, that worked. Yep. I don't know how I did it. It worked, though. I'm here. I'm at the top. (laughs) (laughs) It was like a piece just came out all on its own. And I know I did it but because I saw him wiggle it out, but I went, how did I do that? What? Oh, well, jump, 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 jump. What was the thought process behind that? I don't yeah. know. Just Why did didn't it. I think to move that block? I, how did it move? How did it move? It just did. It just came out just for me. Yep. <laughs> Mallow said, enough of your shenanigans. I'm just going to move this thing. Here it is. Oh, oh thank you. <laughs> Appreciate you. Let me, let me go to the next level. But then I've gone on to the next set of levels, which are all... I didn't say this in my releases when I talked about it, but there's a bunch of levels that are shaped like objects. Like, hey, it's a strawberry, and so there's layers of red with little white dots in there. So I've gotten to the next one of those, so it's been like a whale and a dinosaur and a stegosaurus and all kinds of other stuff. So it's been a, that game's a lot of fun. I don't think I'm even halfway through it yet, and it just gives me so much joy. But the other thing that I have played, again, on the 3DS... Is something I wanted to make my release, but we've done it already in IG2G episode 23, and that's Radiant Historia, Perfect Chronology. And I remember you talking about this as a release, because I was watching those videos, and they said, if you if you get one 3DS RPG, it's got to be this. And I went, I remember Eric talking about this, and there being time loop stuff, and a cool combat system, and all kinds of stuff. And I didn't remember exactly, but I remembered exactly that much. And then I started playing it. And it's got all that stuff in it. And I'm like, oh, man. And it's got good voice acting so far. Only a few characters have voice acted that I've met, but they've all been really good. The art style is great. The combat system is so much fun. I could play just that for hours. And I'll get more into that like on what you play in Third Shift because I've already gone long. And then the time, the time loop and stuff, oh, my God. I've gotten to a point where I could go back, and I desperately want to go back, but I also want to go forward. And, oh, man, it's so good. It's... That's great. I'm loving it. So there's another, a third giant game that's already here, like in my hot little hands to play. So that's why I, I, I sank and I hung my head when you talked about Resident Evil 4. But we're not going to talk about that because that's the end of my week. That's it. What else is going on, Eric? What you got? Well, I'll tell you right now, we got a game coming out here that I'm hot for. I can't wait to play. I just got into the PS4, you know, VR5, which I talked about last week. Got to play it finally. This week, still haven't got to touch it again since the last week, but that's just the way life goes, but I still can't wait to touch it. And of course, it came to my attention that The Walking Dead Saints and Sinners Chapter 2 Retribution has come out on the PS5 VR and a couple other places, I think, you know, for PSVR 1 or whatever, for the PS4, it doesn't matter. It's out on stuff besides what it was previously released on, which was like the MetaQuest or whatever. 
it's here. It's been updated. It looks better. It feels better. And I cannot wait to play it, Matt. It has been developed by Skydance Interactive, Skybound Games. And of course, if you don't know, it's a VR game. You hop in, you're first person, you got your hands floating in the air. It takes place in New Orleans. So you're down there in the old southern area of the United States having a good time. This Axeman, he's got a whole storyline, a bit about what he's doing and why he's doing it. And you, you're just an outsider. You're a visitor. You're a tourist coming into his environment, coming to his town. And he wants to take you out because he's crazy in the head. Hence the game starts. You're being chased by this baddie who's all really cool looking. He's got this whole like unique get up, you know, and he carries, of course, a, like a fireman's axe basically looks like. And he's hunting you down the whole time, and you get to just kill zombies, and then, of course, take up quests throughout the uh, the environment you're in with the different factions of humans that are around. So previously, the original, from what I hear, because I didn't play it, it was kind of like more open, and you just kind of explored and did things on your own. This one's more of a story. It pushes you in a certain direction. But the cool part about that is, is you actually get a nice, like, actual fundamental story, and you get more opportunities to accept quests and do things for the people and like get more immersed in the environment you're in and that to me sounds better than just kind of like floating around killing zombies finding loot and finding things to do this one gives you a focus gives you something you're actually trying to accomplish and then of course from like some of the trailers i saw it's just like walking dead the humans are fighting humans constantly. There's no rest for anybody. And then on top of it, the uh, the zombies are doing their thing. And you're out there murdering. You get different weapons. You know, you get all sorts of shotguns, pistols, knives, axes, chainsaws, you name it. You get to play with it in this game. And what I saw, I really liked. And from what I played of PSVR 2 last week, and I told you guys on the show, I can't wait. I can't wait. It's a It's a definitive buy for me. I'll probably pick it up the minute this weekend I put the PSVR 2 back on and then go ahead and play that along with the uh, the Drum Rocks game that I told you guys about it last time. I'm so stoked for this. It looks good. It looks like a lot of fun. The graphics are pretty they're pretty good. I will say that in parts, like the zombies do look kind of low res sometimes, but the environments really look pretty good and everything looks solid. And I think in the VR it's going to look even better. And then one of the reviewers did note too that the PSVR 2's OLED screen really heightens the game overall because the blacks are black, you know, the typical OLED scenario. So when it's dark, it's dark. And you actually have to use a flashlight, lighter, whatever it is you have to see where you're going. And that just makes the tension all that more, you know, sharp. And that I'm looking for. I think that'll be a ton of fun in VR. So if you're looking to get a game for the PlayStation VR 2, consider it. I'm going to buy it. And I'll be able to tell you actually about it all maybe next week, hopefully if I get to play it this weekend, which I intend to. You're hyped about another game to get and play. I'm also hyped about another game that I desperately want to get and play, and that's Chia, which is a game that's been shown off in PlayStation State of Plays. It's been all it's been all over the place, and every time it comes out, I want to talk about it more. Now it's out because it came out on the 21st, developed by Awaseb, Awakeb, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, published by Kepler Interactive. It's released for PC and PlayStation, and it's launching in the PlayStation Extra tier. So if you have PlayStation Plus Extra, or however they call it, you do get this for free. All the reviews I've seen have talked about how this is basically a love letter to this little archipelago off of the coast of Australia called New Caledonia, because two of the founders of the development team 
came from there or lived there or, or, or whatever. And this is a story about a girl who lives on a beautiful tropical ar- archipelago, just like New Caledonia is. She lives alone with her father and a friend of theirs. And one day, the big bad guy comes with the soldiers who are these, like, made out of paper kind of creatures. And they steal her father away, and she's got to go find him. That's the basics of the story. But what really is happening in this game is you're wandering through beautiful environments. You're going from island to island. You get a little raft, Legend of Zelda, Wind Waker style, and you're just experiencing this world and this island. And yes, you are meeting up with different villagers and different places and learning about their culture and you know helping them out with stuff. But it's kind of just a love letter to those islands, that culture, the mythology, everything about it. Because in this game, as Chia, you do get a soul jumping ability where you can kind of cast yourself into all the animals you see. So if you want to get across through the forest a little faster, you can cast yourself into a deer who can sprint way longer than you can. If you want to fly in the sky, you can soul jump yourself into a bird. You can also soul jump yourself into inanimate objects. So if there's nothing around that can let you fly or sprint really fast, Cast yourself into a coconut or a rock, and then you can roll down the hill really fast. And they've shown off in some reviews and some gameplay videos and stuff that like, you can kind of throw the object and eject yourself out again. And then if you jump back into it, like if you're rolling downhill as a rock, you do that jump and throw thing. Then you jump into the rock. Now you're flying through the air. There's also cool stuff where you can jump on like these palm trees and you can kind of rock them back and forth and use them as a slingshot to propel yourself. All kinds of cool movement tech, kind of cool fun abilities you can use as all these different creatures. And like I said, there is a story about going to find your father, but it's more about just experiencing this world and this culture. You know, a lot of the reviews have said, I don't like it because you can't like mark an objective on your map and just go straight there. Well, that's the point. It's because it's all about the journey and like what kind of side stuff you'll find along the way. Maybe you'll find a new animal. Maybe you'll find a new villager over here and learn about their story. Maybe you'll find a little cave to go in and learn a new song on your ukulele, which grants you special abilities like changing the weather or refilling your health or spawning animals that you can then soul jump back into. There's a little bit of combat when you find camps of those little paper made enemies and you jump into like lanterns or, or gas cans and you burn them. I gotta say, it's another one of those games where you have to watch some reviews and some gameplay videos of this. Because even just, hey, it's a big open world you explore and have some fun in, that sounds cool, but it's gonna sound so much cooler when you see how beautiful this game is. Like, the only thing I can compare it to is like Zelda Breath of the Wild, which I haven't ever really played, but it's that beautiful, sort of cell shaded, but not really. But when you see. The video clips of her on the raft sailing with the big giant islands in the distance it looks incredible or when you see your soul jump into a fish and you go underwater and the whole color tone kind of changes as you're underwater not just like everything goes blue but it's so like shiny and bright and i don't know just like wondrous that she's you're swimming around as this fish which is also nicely colored and everything it's not like super high tech the best graphics in the world but the way they use color and and the shapes and the lighting and everything it's absolutely beautiful and so if you are one of those kind of gamers who wants to get lost in a big open world wants to explore who doesn't want to have like a checklist of things you have to do go to point a and talk to person b and then go to point c and talk to person y if you just want to kind of explore and just feel free to roam around and let your imagination take you wherever you want to go, this is the kind of game for you. If you want to like a low-pressure kind of a game where you just, the focus is more on the, the journey than the destination, 
you got to check out Chia. It sounds like a nice breath of fresh air for me, so I'm excited to get this, excited to play it. If you're like me, you should get Chia too. While you're over there getting Chia, Matt, let me tell you, the first little item we're going to talk about today is the GDC has come and has gone. That is the Game Developer Conference. For those of you who don't know, the 2023 version has come and gone. And of course, when they're there, they do all sorts of like uh, conferences and classes and all sorts of stuff and meet and greets, as well as, of course, give out their own rankings of like what they thought were the best games for whatever reasons. Did anything of interest come out of this for you, Matt? Did, any, did anything speak to you? Any any sort of uh, game getting you know nominated for this or getting that? Any sort of conferences or just in general anything? come out of GDC 2023 for you? Well, I got to say, first off, no, not really. Mm -hmm. But I do have to say that I feel like GDC is one of those things I should take a greater interest in. Because I know a few years ago, there was one developer or or somebody who had a talk there that was actually really interesting. I feel like it's something that kind of comes and goes. And there's a lot of stuff in there that I would love to hear about. But this year, I, I didn't even know it was happening until it was over. And I went, okay, well, let me see the latest GDC news on Engadget or Verve or something, and they didn't give me anything. Nothing. The only thing I saw was, hey, it's the GDC Awards. And I went, okay, let me see what new stuff happened here. And it was all the same stuff just like from the Game Awards. Like, I'm not trying to say anything bad, but it just feels weird to, in March of this year, have the same kind of awards going that we had in December of last year. Yeah. So I don't want to poo-poo it or anything, but nothing popped out for me, even in the category that should be something new. Like, here, it's been three more months of awards, and it all went to the same stuff. Yeah, the awards portion makes no sense to me, to be honest with you. Like you said, it's so late in the game. Who cares anymore? We're already getting into like all the coolest games of this year. So I feel like that part is kind of meh. The part that I think they should focus on, and they don't, at least to, to my knowledge is the, the, the classes and the speeches and everything from all the different developers who go there and give uh, talks about their profession and how they do what they do from, you know, from any company, Gearbox, Square, you name it. There, there's all sorts of representatives there giving all sorts of classes about what they did and how they did this for this particular game. And, of course, the developers there can attend those and everything, but a lot of those never make it to YouTube or anything where we can listen to it. And that's where I think they should focus on because I don't—I hate to say this, but I don't really care what the developers think are the best games of the year. I, I, I don't really care. What I do care about is the knowledge they have and the and what they can teach me through listening to them about how they do their craft and how they came about making this character or designing this level. Like that stuff's awesome. That's what I want to know about. I don't know. I don't. You know, game of the year. That's all just for fun. We do it at the game awards, like you said. Two quick things on that is. I feel like I remember the GDC Awards being, maybe this is just an outlier year, but I remember them being a lot different than the traditional Game Awards ones, like a few years ago when we first started looking at it. Because it was, it would be those outlier games that you wouldn't think about. And they went, oh yeah, this one because of this crazy awesome system that they put in that was so cool. And it wasn't just, hey, the biggest games of the year won the biggest games. Now, Maybe it's just this past year with Elden Ring and God of War Ragnarok. What else are you going to say? Because technically they are the best and they're just the best. I, I don't know. So that was one thing. The second thing is you sparked it in my brain. I think it was that Gearbox user research team. 
they had a talk at GDC like three or four years ago when I was super hyped to hear more about them. And they actually even put it online and I was super excited to watch it. So it's just like you said, if this was more like a, not like an E3, like the public goes there event, but an E3 online type of event where, hey, if you want to watch, maybe if they don't put the VODs on if, or if people don't want their stuff aired, but air a lot of this stuff. Have a schedule up on the GDC Twitch. I guarantee you'll get so many people watching. You'll get so many advertisers getting advertiser dollars in their faces. You don't, you don't have to make it a big commercial event or anything. But just like you said, I would watch so much of that stuff. And from... You know, because there's indie devs that go there and have a big thing about their little indie game. I would love to hear more about that. And then, like we said, even big stuff. How did you make that happen? What choices did you see in the market that made you do this thing, do it this certain way? It would be awesome. Well, and then I know for certain, like, Ash was there actually having a panel, giving a speech. Uh, Randy Varnell was there. I don't know if he was doing a panel or anything, but I know he was there. He was part of the Gearbox team going and I'm sure he probably did have a panel because, of course, he's been so entrenched in Gearbox and the story and whatnot for all their games. I would have tuned into those in a heartbeat. So, like, if I had just known where they were or where to find them or where to see them, I would have been there and, and done that. But, of course, it just felt like it all came and went, and only the only knowledge I have of it is through the Twitter feeds of those individuals saying, hey, I did the thing. And then the hundreds of more devs were like, I didn't go, but here's my information. You know, and here's who I am and, and reaching out to other devs like me. That kind of stuff. I just I just wish they'd put more of a focus on that and then letting us norm normies access it and actually listen and check it out because devs do nothing but complain that we're ignorant and don't know what, what goes into making a game and how they how they do it and what it, what it takes. Well, this is an opportunity for you to actually put out there the work you do and, and how it goes and why some things can't happen the way we think they can happen, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And maybe we'd become a little more knowledgeable and some of us would complain a little bit less. Maybe not. But either way, it'd still be cool for me to check out. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. I mean, I would literally watch people talk about any game, even games I don't like, because I would want to know how it is that you went and did what you did and why you did it. And it would just give such a broader knowledge of gaming in general. And maybe the masses won't watch it. You'll still get the same kind of people on Twitter and everything. But for those who are interested or for like, you know, I don't know, people who are like coming up and want to study game design and get an inside look at what's going on, maybe they could get a peek and get excited about their future career and, you know, go, oh, wow, look at this kind of stuff and, and learn from what p other people have done and say, oh, I had a cool idea that was kind of like that and they made it this way. Now I can put my own spin on it over here. It just sounds like a no-brainer. I agree with it. So, you know what? Listen to Third Shift, take what we just said, put it into the memory banks, get it going for next year, and or just educate us because maybe this is all somewhere and we're ignorant and we just don't know where to go get it. But that's also on you, in my opinion, because I know where to go for every other big event. I go to Twitch and I click the button and I can go see all the stuff. So let me know. I literally put into Google how to watch E3 or whatever the event is, mm -hmm. how to watch PAX East live streams. And it'll be like, oh, yeah, here's one at this time. Oop. Here's one at this time. Here's one at this time. Find it on the YouTube. Find it on the Twitch. Find it on the Twitter. Find it on the whatever. If you look into GDC news, you come up with nothing like I had. Exactly. So get on that. Make it a bigger event. Make it more accessible to us norms so we can enjoy what you're all talking about over there in the uh, development departments. And of course, with that being said, this little piece, Matt, 
I thought was particularly cool for me and you. We both love Gears of War. We both enjoyed all the games back in the day. Well, guess what? Screenwriter Mr. John Spates, the screenwriter for Dune, which you might know, the most recent one, and, of course, Doctor Strange, he's on board for a Netflix show. Or actually, not show, because this is where I got confused. He's on board for the film... Netflix film of Gears of War. They're also going to be doing a show adaptation, but I don't know much about where that's going to go or who's doing that. But anyway, John, he's in charge of the screenwriting, the Netflix film of Gears of War. It's just getting off the bucket. So this is years down the road. So don't get like super excited. But holy crap, man. What do you think? Do you think this has room to succeed? Do you think you're going to instantly be on board? Are you upset? What's up? I don't see how it could not succeed if you do it right. I mean, it's a it's a it's a tale of uh, of a of a battered army coming back against gross ass aliens. Who doesn't love that? You got so many movies that's just I don't know. Aliens showed up when we fought them, and everybody loves them. Even the dumbest ones, like Battleship or Battlefield L.A. or whatever it was called, Battle L.A. Battle Los Angeles. I got it. I finally got it. <laughs> Simple stuff. People love this kind of stuff. And here you have. This like just beautifully destroyed world and brothers, you know, bonding together. And even if you don't make it like giant jacked up bros and you just have normal style soldiers trying to do this impossible task, how do you not make it awesome? Like that's bonds of brotherhood and loss and victory and, and a victory, especially in the face of certain death. All those themes that are in Gears of War make for great movies. So I'm, I'm not hype for it i'm not super excited for it but it's got potential and you said it though if it's just getting off the ground well maybe when i'm 50 this will come out and like, oh, i remember gears of war from back in the day because where the hell's the borderlands movie that's still not here we've been talking about that for eight years i'm hoping it's when we're 45 man not 50 <laughs> 45 you know that that seems more likely but uh i gotta say if you want to see the whole article i got it over on game informer by charles hart but uh, I guess they did a, like, a little interview with you know John or whatever. And this is what got me excited. Is he sounds like he actually pays, paid attention to what Gears of War is. And he goes on like a little thing about how he loved the world. He loved, Like you said, he loved the camaraderie of the soldiers and the nitty-gritty, just what it takes to get through and fight these aliens and stick together and all that. He mentioned all that. And I went, well, you've at least had to do your homework and check out Gears of War before you decided to do this, which I totally appreciate. And then on top of it, he's worked on some really cool movies prior, so that just elevates what I think could happen. And then, to top it all off, just as with The Last of Us, uh, the Coalition, they're on board. The developers and uh, the main head of that is on board and going to be working hand-in-hand with John to create this film for The Gears of War. So you've got you know, the peeps right behind it who actually made all this stuff. They're going to be working hand-in-hand with John to make this a reality. So I've got high hopes that this is actually going to be pretty dang good. As long as they have the coal train. Because the coal train runs on whole grain, baby. Woo! Coal train runs on whole grain, baby! Wow! You got to bring that man in just for a voiceover at least. If he's not, if he's not, if the coal train's not there, you bring him in. Well, it's funny you bring that up because I agree with you wholeheartedly. But also, if you remember Batista, he's been auditioning for this role for years now. That's true, yeah. Years. He actually had a whole set made up and everything. Did the whole nine. Are they going to bring him on board? Is this where he finally comes on board? He actually has a skin in the game, of course, as is mm-hmm. mentioned in the in the article as well. And we all know anyway. But this is it. This is his chance. Dave better get out there and hustle 
to get himself a, a spot as one of the characters in this game, which he wants to be, of course, the main big dog himself, uh, Felix, I think it was, or whatever. Marcus Phoenix. There it is, Marcus Phoenix. I'm, I'm too I'm too far in Harry Potter. <laughs> well, see, what I was thinking, too, is you don't even need to make it like the Gears of War storyline, because everybody gets that. You could just make like Squad B or whatever, or just literally mm-hmm. anything in that Gears world, and have Marcus Phoenix and, and Coltrane runs on Whole Grain Baby, and you can have them be like legendary figures who fought in like the first wave or whatever. Because you know, I was I was just thinking about you know Batista would be great. He I like his acting. I like him in in movies, but I don't necessarily want to see just we're all giant jacked up cogs. Yeah, maybe he could be the one who's. Who's trying to lead him through and he, you know, big sacrifice at the end and takes the bomb into the giant thing or whatever. You know, it could just be regular ass dudes. It doesn't have to be and everyone's huge. You know, they don't even have to be huge because all the themes are there. All, everything's there. You could just make any kind of Gears movie. The theme could just go anywhere. Well, it's exactly as you say. You could just have it tangentially a different crew, but in the maybe the first episode, you see the main, the main goons over here. And you're part of their whatever mission you're on, but then you get split up and they all go this way. And then, of course, their adventure goes off to what it goes off to. And then you and your crew end up going this way and you get to tell a whole new tale with all new, you know, quarrels and, and, and losses and, and wins, etc. From this perspective of this crew going off this way. Mm-hmm. But you get that cool fan service moment of being in the same crew with the main characters you loved from the video games over here. So you're like, oh, I know they exist, and there they are. They went off to go do the thing I know about because I did it in the games. Mm -hmm. But no, I'm with this crew. Well, we got separated, and now we're on a whole different adventure. We get picked up later. Who knows where we go or what stories are told. It's fresh. It's in the world. You know that Coltrane and them are alive and doing the thing, but you're not there, so you don't have to criticize each piece and part based off what the games was because you're not – you're not in that world. You're you're in a, you're over here now. Mm-hmm. This be great. Yeah. Hopefully that happens. I don't know though. I don't know. It's too. It's probably too tempting just to stick with you know the crew and and, and tell that tale. Because you're gonna want to see Marcus and Dom, and you're gonna you're gonna yes. want to see Baird and everybody else. But I just feel like you you could do like the next generation, which is what they did in four and five, where he you know Batista could be Marcus Phoenix with a gray beard on and then helping out the kids and you know like i said i just think it's perfect he makes the big sacrifice at the end and now it's it's on officially on to the new generation cuz i still don't think they've done that in the games i still think he's just hanging out i'm like just let phoenix go and just make good new characters it's fine you can you can do it i i promise you can do it the poor bastard seen and done enough let him go. Like Let He go. already lost his dad in the first trilogy. Now he's here in the second trilogy. Stop it. Leave that man alone. Let exactly. him go farm and raise cows or something. I agree. Raise those cows. Don't worry about them coming out of the earth and eating the cows and then having to get all involved all over again. You don't got to worry about it. Maybe make locust cows. It's fine. You know, hybrid. Hybrid style. I'd eat those cows. I don't care. Yeah. I'm fine with that. And, of course, the last thing tonight, Matt, the PS5 Pro. It's been unofficially, officially leaked. All the sources are talking about it. Everybody's, and this is how you know it's real. It's not like fake because everybody's got it. Everyone says, yes, this is for sure. This particular one, I think, came from the Insider Gaming. It's where I at least saw it you know, originally. And they said, hey, look, it's coming. End of 2024 is when it's slated to come out. There's no specs yet or anything of what it's going to entail. But it is a real thing. It's happening. It's not just, you know, ooh, it's got to happen, right? No, it it is happening. When it comes out, might change, but speculation's end of 2024, and they have no idea what it's going to have inside of it and what it's going to look like, any of that stuff. 
But I just wanted to kind of briefly, Matt, are you even interested in the PS5 Pro at all? And if you are, what is it going to take to get you to get it? And if you're not, why not? Okay, so I read this article when it first came out. Mm-hmm. And I went, man, Eric's going to want to talk about this on the show. And then I immediately forgot about it because it's the stupidest idea there could ever be. think so. Okay. It's too soon for this. Now, granted, we've had our PS5s for quite a while. But for me, this is still the newest, hottest, freshest hotness. And that's because it is. So it's too soon to be like, hey, hey, man, hey, you want to buy a newer, fresherness, hotness? No, I don't. Because I don't feel like this has even got all the mileage out of it that it needs to get. Oh, it hasn't by a long, by a long shot. Maybe you started making games only solely for the system, really, yet, to be honest. And that's the point that I was going to bring up of even God of War Ragnarok is still cross platform. It's still on PS4. So the biggest game, like the one, the, the biggest games of last year, Elden Ring and God of War Ragnarok, they're still cross-generation. They're not fully just PS5 or Xbox Series X, anything like that. So those two things, that, that, that I'll tell you. Three, I'll tell you, uh, from literally every other human being's standpoint and point of view, Oh, we, we, we just were able to finally start getting PS5s. Now we got to buy a new one. I couldn't even get one for eight years or however long it's been out. So there's that. It'll have been four when the PS5 Pro comes, if it's end of 2024. But even so, if you just were able to get your hands on it now, because I mean, James was asking about it on St. Patty's Day. Like, Are they still having problems with it? Because Brian was supposed to get one. Is the shortage just finally gone? And we both went, yeah, they're yes. pretty much finally gone. So if you are a, a general person who didn't get yours with Eric Battenluck, and you're just now getting it, hey, at the end of next year, why don't you go get another one? No, no, no. That's not going to fly. That, that's not going to do. But but for, and I'll end it after this, for me, I don't have a 12K TV. I don't have all the shinimus. I have this nice 1440p monitor, but everything I, I run looks freaking amazing on it anyway. So I don't have the highest, freshest hotness to need all the ray tracing and the 24K abilities or anything. So for me, this is more than enough, especially because they're not, we always say it, and I, I don't know any of this is actually true, they're not getting the most juice out of this. So don't try and sell me on another juicier thing that you're still not going to get the most juice out of. I don't know. I read it and I was bitter. I went, that's dumb. And I put my phone down. I will say I was saddened because... I don't blame them for what they're doing. Now, the PS4 Pro came out like three years after the PS4 came out. So this will be four years later instead of three years later. So they're actually waiting an extra year. That, you know, makes sense. And they said tentatively that 2028 is the soonest they're looking at a PS6. So we've got time. We're going to have some mileage with the PS5 and with the PS5 Pro if you choose to get it. So am I upset? Yes, because I agree with you wholeheartedly. They don't even have the PS5 figured out. They're not even making games that are strictly catered to the PS5 and which take every drop of power it can give you to you. And they're already going to move on to something that's even better. But with my experience from the PS4 to the PS4 Pro, they did a wonderful job of actually making the Pro better than the PS4 and on top of that, making the PS4 games still function and still awesome and still good on top of just making that little extra bit even better for you if you had the Pro. So I wasn't on board the previous one when the PS4 did the PS4 Pro. I was pissed. I hated it. I was just like you with this one. But this time around, I feel a little bit different. I'm not as mad as I was, especially, Matt, if they can give me two things. 
Two things. One, the most important, stop making me decide between frame rates and resolution. I'm sick and tired of it. I want frame rates, obviously. I want that game to run quick, no matter what. I don't care if I take graphical hits. But if I can have both, oh my God, that's amazing. I will 100% back you up on that because that that pisses me off to no end because I will always, I always choose graphics to start with and I go, damn, this looks so good, but I feel so janky, not herky-jerky, but it feels that way. And then I switch it to frame rate mode and I go, damn, this feels like nothing else. I did it in Forspoken. Uh I went, wow, she looks so much better in graphical mode. Not that she looks bad, but then it was like, wham. A hit and a little filter went over everything. And I went, it still looks great and it still looks beautiful, but man, it looked so good before. And another thing I got to just jab you on, you wouldn't even own a PS4 Pro if your PS4 didn't explode like eight times. You're right, because I was so so mad. (laughs) I was so mad. I wasn't going to, I told you, I I didn't lie. I wasn't on board with it. I was angry about that. I was so (laughs) upset that I spent all that money on my PlayStation 4 just to get have to get another one mid, you know, mid-level through or whatever, mid-season through the, the system. It pissed me off. But I had to because the other one went and took a dump. But after I did it, I went, holy crap. No, they did a good job. They actually made this worth the investment if you have the financial income to do something like that. So this time around, I'm sold. You know what I mean? I, I agree with you. I'm, I, you know, I'm upset that this is happening the way it's happening. But I definitely, if they can do that one thing, and then the other things just, if they do the one, I'm for sure going to do it. If they can do the second one, it's in the bag. There's no way I'm not doing it. Increase the dang internal storage, (laughs) for God's (laughs) sakes. After the debacle of my PS4, I will never again put storage onto my system. Won't do it. Because that is what destroyed my PS4. It destroyed it. It completely it kept corrupting it over and over, jank, jank, jank after jank. And I bought the official PlayStation 4, uh, whatever, Seagate or whatever the hell it's called, That the official one. I didn't buy some janky third-party thing and try to hustle and do it myself. And it still corrupted the hell out of it and eventually bricked it. So I said, after that, I will never again buy any sort of storage that isn't what comes inside that machine and I'm finding myself, I can only have four to five games on my PlayStation 5 at any given time now, and that's unacceptable. It's it's crazy. I've got to delete games I didn't finish, which I wholeheartedly intend to finish off because I need to make room for something I, I need to play or want to play right now. I will 100% back you up on that. Again, you're making good points. You should have started out because I started out super negative. But if they released PS5 Pro with a three terabyte SSD inside of it, you sold me because I, I mean, I can go without it, yes. But when I do have loaded up big games like Forspoken and Like a Dragon and gosh, Resident Evil 4, if I get that when it comes out, I'm going to have to start deleting this and that and the other thing. If I don't have to do it and I can literally feel comfortable that it's right here, it's not on a server somewhere that I can download that's going to get delisted and disappear. It's literally in my hot little hands. That's worth it. Exactly. So if it does those two things, I can't say no. Can I be upset still with, like you said, you didn't even get the the power out of your original before you're boosting it up and doing the pro side? Yeah, I'll be upset. I'll be kind of agitated because there's a lot of us out there who think that they should have migrated from the PS4 crap a year, year, two years ago at this point and been exclusively PS5 and working with it because 
no matter what they tell you, the devs and all them tell you, they are cutting corners and doing little things here and there to make it easier to get that PS4 version from the PS5 version. Do we really have to have those books looking that sharp right now when we can just leave them kind of janky so that way we don't got to modify them in the PS4 version? Yeah, sure, we can do that. Get rid of it. PS4, you're done. Get out of here. Are they or are they not? This would be a great thing to hear a GDC talk about. How did wow, you make it cross-generation? Wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> but you're neglecting the other thing that made me throw my phone down in this article. Because they were talking about, I don't know if it was the PS5 Pro or just the next. This is what made me think the whole article was bupkis. Because they talked about, oh, they're going to make a PS5 with like a, a snap on and off disk drive. And I went, that's the, that. That's real. It's real, man. That has supplanted, that has surpassed the <laughs> PS5 Pro as the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Also, because they will 100% find some way to have that. The disc now, when you snap it on, it's got to be tied to your accounts because otherwise I could snap my disc drive off and give it to you and you could play all my games and I could sell yeah, you my you, game for $10. You know exactly. So it's going to be Xbox One with Connect all over again, where it's always got to be all connected and always online to use the disc drive. So you can't take it camping because you can't go online with the disc drive. It's going to be ridiculous. There's going to be some shenanigans. Yeah, it will probably be exactly that. But their whole reasoning was they want to stop uh, producing the two different models. And so they thought the most efficient way would be to produce the one without the disk drive and then sell you an actual little you know, external disk drive that you can put on if you like your disk. But like you said, they're not going to let you just give it to me and have fun with it. No, they're going to tie it into some online BS, making it so the whole fundamental reason why having the disk is the best thing in the world is because no matter where you're at and what you're doing, you put the disk in the game and you play it. It's fantastic. You're not going to be able to do that anymore. It's going to be the most efficient and the dumbest way of doing it. Hey, how about just stop making the digital only one? Now I know it's cheaper and I know it's cheaper to manufacture and it's cheaper for the consumer, but just cut the price of the other one by 50, by 50 bucks, bucks and then Ding. just make only that one. Yeah. Only that one. Now granted you lose money on consoles and all this stuff that I don't but know about because there's money not about. a GDC talk on this, but if you want to stop, make the right decision. Do the right thing. Just go with the one that you and I have, the one that everybody should have. If people want to just go digital only, you can still just be digital only. Who cares about a slot in the front? Nobody just don't cares. Use it. Just turn it to the wall. It's fine. Exactly. Uh, so there you go, folks. You got a little bit of time left with your PS5, and you're going to have PS5 Pro coming right around the corner, whether you like it or not. So if you haven't got one yet, now you got to start that whole argument of whether you wait, whether you don't wait, what do you want to do? Are you just happy with the PS5 regardless? Do you want to get on that Pro version? It's the same argument we had back when this happened with the PS4 to PS4 Pro. It's up to you guys. I know I'm a sucker, so I'll be on board. I'll be getting it, and then I'll be moving my PS5 upstairs and attaching the uh, PSVR 2 to it, so that way it's right there, easily accessible and usable without me having to move my PS5 while now Pro over to the other TV, like I told Matt I had to do last week, etc. But wouldn't you want your PSVR Pro, PSVR 2 Pro running on your PS5 Pro? Yes, you would. Don't shake your head at me. What if it nah, makes it even better good. and hotter and shooter and cooler? But I'm just going to say, as always, interesting if true. If it comes around, bookmark this episode. Everything's and, subject to change. And, and yes. you can listen to our debate on this whole thing. <laughs> But multiple sources did it, so therefore that's why I wanted to talk about it. It wasn't just like one random, you know, tech Mahendra or whatever the hell it is. 
this is out. You know, everyone, everyone posted it. All the big dogs, Game Informer, GameSpot, IGN, everybody. So you can go find this stuff anywhere you want to. That's why I mentioned it. This is another one of those moments. And I know I don't mean this seriously because there's so many drawbacks to the other way, where it just makes me just want to be a PC gamer. Why buy a new console every four years? We can just buy a new graphics card and shove it in there. Except you can't buy a new graphics card because Eric had to go through four years without getting his yeah. new graphics card. So it's a whole and other then, kettle of fish. Hey, Matt, do you want the newest one, the 4070, 4080, 4090s? They're $1,500. So you can go buy two PS5s, no problem with that money, Matt. So here's what I'm going to do, X. What I've always said I'm going to do. I'm just going to go back to playing like Nintendo and Super Nintendo games. Retro I'm, man. I'm going to turn into that 40 year old guy who just plays pinball and Nintendo and Super Nintendo. Tetris. And my 3DS. I'll play my 3DS and my Steam Deck. If my Steam Deck can't run it, I'm not playing any new games anymore. And I'm going to play that 3DS. I'm going to download everything on it, just like Gerard the Completionist did. Did you see that video? He downloaded oh, all that. of it. Yeah. Heck yeah. Uh-huh. I'm just going to do that. That's all I'm going to play. Man, oh man. Well, you enjoy being in the past, Matt. You enjoy that. I'll keep jumping to the future, and we'll have the perfect show anyway. I'll be able to talk about what's new. You'll be able to talk about what's old. That's right. It's a perfect combination. So what about you out there in podcast listener land? Are you getting a little snap-on for your digital only? You're not going to do that. Don't tell me you're going to do that. Even if you are going to do it, don't tell me about it. But tell us about anything else. Any questions, comments, concerns, any feedback. If you just want to say hi, send it to us via the email, thirdshiftme at gmail.com. On the Twitter machine, at thirdshiftme, and find us on Facebook under Third Shift. Indeed, you can find us over there on the old Facebook. You can also find us on Patreon, where we accept the tips that you give to keep the lights on over here at Third Shift. We appreciate Everybody who has done it in the past, present, and or future, it helps us pay the bills over on the internet and do all sorts of cool stuff and get cool stuff to keep playing video games and talk about them for you, to you. And, uh, yeah, you know what? Just thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Matt appreciates it. Or at least he says he does. You know, sometimes he looks at me with these eyes that are strange, and I don't know. Maybe he's going to kill me tomorrow. Just, just if it happens, help me. It's too late. Help my family. It's too late because you're dead. Damn it. <laughs> But if you're not dead, you can listen to the very next episode, which will be dropping on the 30th of March. Hey, coming up on quarter end, Eric. Isn't it great? Isn't life grand? Ain't life grand? But you can find that episode on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Podbean, on Spotify, and on YouTube. And as I always say, hey, if you like what we're doing, you'd like to help us out, please give us a like, a rating, a review, a comment, a subscription, any kind of good thing on any one of those good services. Because it does help us out. And we really do appreciate it. We do indeed appreciate it so very much. Just like we appreciate those five-star reviews on the iTunes and the Spotify. Please get over there. Give them to us. Help us out. Help us help you. For realsies, it's a fantastic thing, and we'd appreciate it so very much to take two seconds of your time to do that. Or help us out in any other way you can, which I've already explained and should have explained before, but I didn't today for some weird reason. Don't know. But you know the freaking rigmarole, so I'm not going to say it. That's it. It's the end of the show, folks. It's late. So with that, there's nothing else to say but... Shut up and sit down.